Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Becoming a Fulfillionaire. Today's guest is a very special person. Her name is Katie. Her YouTube name is Katie Type A, and she has a wonderful YouTube channel where she does extremely deep dives on health gadgets, gizmos, techniques, and anything in the wellness area. And we're going to get into all that today, talk about where she's going in the future with that, talk about how she got to where she is now with all of it. And the first question I have that's extremely important is, Katie, tell me about, for the people that are viewing this on video on YouTube, about how long it took you to put up these black panels behind you in this little studio you have? <laughs> well, these are all like, I have to thank my fiance for that because he is quite crafty. Um, I wish I could take one off the wall, but you can see the really like small squares. We got them on Amazon, super cheap. I think it took him maybe an hour and we are not even finished yet. Like we, there's still like the ceiling and lower floor that we want to get all uh, kind of fixed, but for right now, it serves the, the purpose and the job, especially because like, you wouldn't know this, but we actually have construction going on right next door to us. So this is a godsend right now. <laughs> um, but it does get really warm in the summer. So I'm gonna have to figure out a way to like, kind of uh, keep the air flowing in here because, oh my gosh, I was talking yesterday in here and it was like 80 degrees. I was sweating profusely. It's not a great look. After being in Hawaii for that long, I'm like, I don't, I really don't want to have to deal with the, the sweat pores coming to, you know, down my face again. Um, that was really funny. But uh, yeah, they, they're super cheap. It's such a great and easy way to hack your, this is like a closet, a walk-in closet. So, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so, you know, that comes to mention, like we actually first met in person in mm -hmm. Kona, Hawaii, on the big island of Hawaii. And talk to me about why you were living there. I know you're one of these like dream coronavirus people who got to like do this yeah. amazing thing. So talk to me about that. Well, it had always been the single place that my fiance, Jasper and I felt like such an immense draw to for years, like five, six years ago, we first went there. We were so enamored and it, at the time we had talked about like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could live in Hawaii one day? So it's always been this sort of like recurring dream of ours. And when the pandemic hit, we had, a, you know, a couple of, you know, situations that had happened like during the pandemic and, and prior to it, um, my father passed away from ALS. And then a year later, Jasper's father uh, passed away from brain cancer. And it all happened so quickly and all kind of during the pandemic that it completely threw us for this shock of our life where I think there was just this desire to have a bit of respite and change from our environment. I think we both were just craving getting away and doing some spiritual healing for what had just happened because coming back to the same apartment in the same environment and going through another year of pandemic woes just didn't feel like it wasn't sitting with us and by taking this leap and going to Kona like it was one of the best years of spiritual healing that I can ever remember for both of us we were able to kind of break free of some of this isolation and also meet people that we, you know, had now, now call friends and learn a new way of living. And 
it was also, I mean, it was just, we were ready for a change. We were ready to explore something new. And my God, to see both of our parents die at such a young age, both in their 50s, it really made us call to question, like, what the hell are we waiting for? Why are we going to wait? We are in our 30s. We are young and healthy and vibrant, and we can go do all the things in Hawaii that are going to be fulfilling to us now. Why are we going to wait till we're in our 60s, you know, when, when that will not be as accessible, although doing the dojo will help make it accessible. But, you know, I think it's just we so many of us put these timeline restraints on our lives saying that we are not worthy of doing this thing that we want, that fulfilling this dream that we want until we reach a certain age. And we sort of flipped the script on that and said, F it, we're going. And we just, we, we did it so quickly and so effortlessly that we almost couldn't even believe it happened. And yet, it did. And now we're back and we just adopted a puppy, which was another very kind of quick and fun decision. And of course, we named that puppy Kona. And fun fact, we adopted it. I This was very strange. And you know, when you kind of just like take a look at the, at, you know, situations and you say, I think that the universe is telling us to sign. The day that we adopted this puppy was to the day like one year later that that day that we had moved to Hawaii. So like it was February 19th, 2021, we got on that plane to Kona. And then exactly one year later, February 19, 2022, we were adopting our new puppy Kona. So it's just, it's kind of strange that it all sort of came full circle. So when I talk about like goal setting and uh, vision boarding and lumberjack time, as I call it, right, where it's like two lumberjacks in the woods, they both cut the trees with the same axes, the same types of trees, same amount of hours per day. And every day, one lumberjack always leaves for an hour in the middle of the day and always cuts 50% more wood than the other lumberjack. And the other lumberjack eventually is like, hey, what are you doing that's so different? Like, how are you cheating? And the guy goes, oh, I just go home every day to sharpen my axe. Right. Mm -hmm. And I call that lumberjack time is like sharpening the ax and figuring out like a, how to do things more effectively or efficiently or finding out what's more fulfilling. Like you had this big moment where you were forced to sharpen the ax and figure out what you wanted to do with your life. And you finally did this huge dream, which was to move and live in Hawaii for a while because you'd been feeling so called to it. What was the what was the progression of like, like you said, getting there so effortlessly and like making the dream come true through existing in that dream through now having moved back to NorCal mm-hmm. kind of walk me through the, the emotional side of that. Cause I was unaware that both of you had parents that had died leading up to that. And I mean, whatever you feel is relevant, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of gems that I want to pull out of this story and figure yeah. out like, that's such a, in, in one year, you were able to take a big look at your life, really go after a goal that you thought was very far out in the future to live that goal. And then to decide that that goal was something you had done and now no longer wanted and wanted something different. And then what was this process like? And, and also at the very end of that, and I'll remind you, if you forget, what is the goal now? Like where, where, where does this all lead us now? Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to get pretty candid and intimate uh, because I think it's 
you know, part of this story, it was hard. It was, there, there was a moment, I think, I mean, I'll never forget walking uh, in the woods um, with Jasper and just having this sort of like awareness that my dad was gone and there was nothing I could do about it. And I think it all came like when I was like, I just wish that my dad could be here to see how beautiful this Vista is. Mm. And so I, and I felt like even, I mean, some of the sunsets and sunrises in Kona are the most beautiful I've ever experienced in the world. And when you're in that state and you're experiencing something so drastically different from what you normally experience on a day-to-day and you realize like maybe I've taken those things for granted right and so when you're witnessing these you know beautiful acts of nature and it makes you pause and sort of question spirituality it makes you question like why did that thing happen to that person I loved why can't he be here and it was hard. And I wrestled with this idea of like unpacking his, his loss or my loss and his death. And, you know, all of these things that just kind of came to the surface very quickly for me. I think right after he had passed away, I sort of like just kind of buried it because I wanted to show up for my family as this strong, like, you know, dominant, like figurehead for, for my sister and my mom being like, I've got the family, like, don't worry. And I'm, I'm really good at suppressing emotions. But when I got to Hawaii, it's like, I mean, the only thing I can equate to is like a, the biggest wave you can imagine just crashing onto the shore and, everything inside of me that I had suppressed for about a year just came bubbling to the surface. It hit me like a ton of bricks and I wasn't emotionally ready for it. And there was a lot of kind of, you know, deep inner work I had to do. It was right around this time that I discovered Joe Dispenza. And I started to figure out like, rather than taking this anguish and and sadness and, you know, just sulking in this, why don't you kind of put it towards something good? And so as I started to do much more deeper meditation work and, you know, started to really unpack some of these feelings I was having, I looked up kind of the state of Hawaii and I looked at some of the people that I was coming in contact to. And my first instinct was, how can I help them? And I think this was something that was ingrained in me by my family. So it felt like a way to honor my dad. Um, And so I linked up with a a business owner who runs a gym and I literally put a website together for her. I taught her how to kind of get her like finances in order all for free. Like I didn't, I was not ever looking for anything to come out of this. It just felt natural for me to go above and beyond and help other people that were really trying to, you know, make something or make a living for themselves because they were being so fulfilled by that. So I I guess the long story of this is, you know, I went in kind of thinking that this was going to be like a spiritual journey, 
never imagined that it was going to hit me so hard. Um, but at the end of it, I, I sort of like, you know, reached this new um, perspective where it was like, the more that you can give to other people in the world, the more it actually heals you of this sadness, the more it makes you feel that you are honoring your dad and the way he raised you by giving back to other people. And so, you know, we did eventually decide to move back to Northern California because it's where we're rooted. It's where our family was. Uh, we love the climate and quite frankly, things are just a little bit easier uh, on the mainland versus Hawaii. You know, I think we, we've talked about this some there's it just there's a lot of um, places to travel in Hawaii, but it's also not always accessible. So there were a couple of different factors that led us back here, but I also felt like my journey had kind of come full circle, and I felt like I had gotten everything out of Hawaii that I had looked to get from it, and I you know it just it felt like the right time to move back. Wow, beautiful, and. You know, I know you can't speak entirely for him, but your fiance Jasper, mm -hmm. what what was the parallel with him, and and how did, you, man? I have a lot of questions about this. I but know. What was it like? Uh, th this is like a. How about let's actually let me rephrase this whole question and start somewhere else, and maybe we'll get back to that point. Yeah. But you said that it was really important for you to be strong for your family right? Specifically for your mother and your sister. Yeah. Tell me, when did that start, that side of your personality? And how did that originally form? Oh my gosh. This, <laughs> this goes back so many years. Um, I, I'd always been loud and outspoken, like age three. I, it's funny, I mean, like, I never talk about this, but I think it's part of the story. I, uh, I had ear surgery at like two, three years old. Uh, I got tubes in my ears because I would get all these ear infections. But as a result, like, I would have, I would end up talking really loudly. And so I was always told to be quiet. And I was always told, like, sit in the corner or like, and you know, it, it definitely affected like, focus issues, attention issues. So I was always kind of a wild child growing, I guess, growing up. Like, I don't remember this necessarily, but I, my parents uh, alluded to the fact that like, I was, you know, sometimes a bad kid uh, in, in their, in their view, you know, just like needing to like constantly be like, like, you need to settle down. You're too loud. Like everyone hears you and et cetera. So, you know, that, that was kind of uh, like my foray into this world was being told to be quiet. And I think a switch probably like went off somewhere in that time to like, you know, by the time I was a like, teenager and a little bit older where I was like, F that, I'm proud of being loud. And you know what, like, I'm a strong ass woman, and I can say what I want. And I don't know, I, I think my relationship with my parents, like they started to respect me because I was like, as I got older, I was making decisions for myself. I was proving that like, I could put, like, I could do anything that I set my mind to. My mom always had this like joke with me. She's like, everything you touch turns to gold. I'm like, mom, shut up. That's so dumb. But like, in some ways, like 
it's true if I like actually like in if I feel like my heart's in the right place I do have this hyper focus ability where I can just like go to town and make things happen so I think my parents started to see like oh that that like thing that was maybe you know um like a downside of of you know her ear issues and always being loud as a child has actually turned into the strength of hers where she she can be vocal and she can say her mind and so in that like transformative time as like you know a teenager into a young adult I just I felt really powerful in using my voice I felt really like okay I can command respect through this and so and there's always been this like you know, I've never been a caretaker or a nurturer necessarily. Like my sister, you know, kind of in complete contrast to me is very motherly, is very gentle. And, you know, she's, she's a teacher. So she, you know, you can kind of understand. And I've never felt that way. You know, we're not having kids, but there's always been a part of me that likes to take care of people. And especially when it comes to people in distress. So that, that was always just in the, the background of my personality for years. So when my dad was now out of the picture and I saw two people that I love more than anything struggling and feeling like hopeless and in this state of distress, I, I felt like this is my time to use my voice to command this kind of like, you know, empowerment of being like, guys, we can get through this together. You know, I think you, you reach this point, like, I mean, like this happens in relationships and friendships where you just have to take on that leadership role because you feel a call to it and b no one else is doing it. And because I had such a strong desire to help them, I felt like I've got to be the strong one here and carry this weight. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it, it just sort of fell naturally into my lap. Was that necessarily the right thing to do? I mean, at the time, that's, that's what felt right. And the only thing that I wish I had done differently was I wish that I had maybe unpacked some of my emotions about my dad a little bit sooner Um following his death rather than waiting so long because I think sometimes the longer that you wait to really get to the bottom of uh grief it you know it it just makes it more intense when then you finally go and face it um head first so yeah that's that's the only thing but I don't think I would change anything about myself I feel like I acted just the way that three-year-old Katie would have acted so do you have any practices now that you've kind of cultivated for not necessarily just interacting with grief, but interacting with like sadness or suffering within yourself after that experience? Do you have any like regular practices where you check in or what, what do you do for that? Yeah, I, I do quite a few things. Um, I have a really like good meditation practice now as I mentioned before I once I got into Joe Dispense it really opened my eyes um, to kind of a different way of tackling any issue that arises and 
I've also started to experiment with um, some different meditation tracks on, on Insight Timer, which is a fantastic app. They have so many different like resources and catalogs. You type in grief. They have specific ones for grief. They have things for abundance. I mean, the gamut is huge. So sometimes if I'm feeling down about something, you know, I'll listen to a grief track. Uh, Kyle, our mutual friend, got me into some doing some hypnosis work as well. And I, um, I actually just created a hypnosis track that mentions my, like I, I recorded it and it talks a little bit about my relationship with my dad and uh, some of the sadness and grief that came with it. And basically me self-talking through the pain and, and sort of putting a beautiful like light on the situation. Um, and in my, my hypnosis track, uh, I, I say like, you're not God, like you don't control fate. Like all you can do is control your emotions and reactions to situations. And so I listen to that twice a day and it reinforces this idea that like, every time I come across a situation which feels out of my control, like uh, it probably is. And that's okay. Like, let it go. All you can do is control your reaction. And if I can keep my reaction calm and I can assess the situation, you know, in a really rational way, it makes it so much easier because I, I feel like so many of us go through life just being overreactive to things. And I know even if something were to happen, you know, that's completely like life upside turn, you know, upside down turning, for me, it's like you, you need to take some time to separate yourself from the incident, you know, and, and rather than just going headfirst into emotion, which is what I think the default is for me, I have to like take time. And I do either like one or two things. If I'm overstimulated at that moment, I take time to rest. I take time to like do a meditation, do some grounding, do some breath work, maybe sauna. But if I'm if I'm feeling like my body is telling me I need to go for a run, I go for a run because that is also a meditative practice for me. There's nothing like I solve more issues in a 30 minute run than I can banging my head against the wall for eight hours. It's just like this level of clarity goes off in my head. Um, and I've always been that way. I've always used going for a run as a way to get out of my own head and be able to kind of rationalize or go you know, unpack things that are happening and sort of figure out, okay, like, why are you overreacting to this? How can we think about this differently? And in that, if there's just something that happens in that meditative breathing of that run that I end up reaching some level of like better understanding by the end. So those are the things that I have in my toolkit and I use, different ones for different situations. When you run uh, for like exercise versus when you run to process emotion, mm -hmm. is there anything different that's happening there? Yes. So, so this might be dangerous, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know how to fix this, but it, it happens and I can't help it. I, I go into a trance and by that, I mean, I start running so fast and all of a sudden, like the vision, like my, 
frontal vision is so dialed in that I don't see the periphery around me. It happens every time. Like if somebody's in my way, like they get out of my way. I don't run around them. Like that's how I'm like bolting. I'm, I listen to like a really intense music and I, and it, for some reason it just gets me into a trance state. It's like, I'm running. Like, I don't even know how long I've been running. I don't like time anything. I just keep going until like, I've reached this place where I'm like, okay, we need to stop now. It's insane. And when I go running for fun, it's like, okay, how many minutes have I done? You know, and it's like, oh, this hill's a struggle. But when I'm in that state, I'm like energized and focused and so like it, I become I'm like, I feel like an Olympic athlete. Like that's how intense of a game of like a um energy that I'm bringing to that run. It's it's so it's like night and day. So I use it sparingly because it can be very like hazardous for the world, but it's so good for my soul. It just like, just, it really helps me solve a lot of issues that are happening um, deep below the surface. So, and it's a joke because if Jasper and I ever like have a situation comes up, he's like, do you need to go for a run now? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I already have my G my joggers on. I'm going. And it's like, you know, it's like your eyes dilate. Like I, you would think I was on drugs. Like I literally am a crazy person. And then I come back and I'm like, everything's fine. Like it's weird as sh yeah, like I yeah. just don't get it. I don't get, but like it's got to be something with the brain chemicals, the BDNF, the neurotransmitters, all that stuff. Uh, but it's it's cool to have that in your tool. You're like, oh, just gonna whip this out. Like <laughs> my get, get out of jail free card. You know, it works every. It's never not worked. Yeah. So what's like your? You said you listen to really intense music. Can you oh, name God. me like what's a go to song for that type of experience? Oh my God. Have you heard of NF? The I have. Yeah. His entire like album. Okay. <laughs> like Can get NF, really intense. Oh yeah, NF, and then like. Oh gosh. I mean, I have, okay. So my playlist is called bad bitch and yeah, I know, I know. Yes. And so I put oh. that on. And Can that be the title of this episode? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, bad bitch so, so featuring that, Katie type A. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not really um, <laughs> in line with my brand, but <laughs> You know, I think sometimes when I go to that playlist, like I know what I'm about to do. Like I'm about to be a bad bitch. And I like, you better get out of the way because I'm I'm like running this town quite literally. Um, but yeah, I've also, okay. So there's another uh, cool service if anybody's interested, it's called Fit Radio. They, and it's like the best thing for people with like a like song ADD which I have where it's like DJ customized playlists that you can set based on your BPM and it's like it's like clippets of songs that all like weave in together so you hear the best part of your song and then it goes to another best part of the song I freaking love that too so like if I'm but that's usually for my fun runs that my bad bitch I, I pretty much reserve for like we're we're going to town because I know I know exactly what to expect and then I don't have to think about the music right it's just like you just go yeah this is weird I don't think I've ever talked publicly about this stuff now you know a little bit more about <laughs> how, I love I, it so how, much. I get, how I get out like 
because we all go through this stuff. Like we all have issues we need to work through. And, you know, I, uh, for me, it's, it's just like, I am that of the mindset of like, I need to, you know, just have some level of intensity around it in order to then achieve a level of calm for other people. It's like, I'm working in this state of intensity and now I got to get to this calm state. But like, I, I, I find that like, you know, it, it's very dependent on the situation, but for some situations, you know, um, like after my dad died, like I was running, like I could have probably done a, a marathon in like two days. I, I just was like, I got to I just got to go. I just got to go for a run. And they're like, what? You're what? I'm like, just trust me, I will be back in 30 minutes and I will feel a lot better. And people start to respect that too, you know, but it's, it's not always convenient. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love, I love that there's this harmony between the super blissed out peaceful. You're like, Oh, I do these Dr. Joe Dispenza meditations and like dojo stuff and your bad bitch playlist. Yeah. Like I think having that whole tool set or repertoire is really valuable that you've kind of cultivated that through your life. So let me, let me like steer. Wow. I have so many potential questions, but let me, let me get this part going. Cause I have never heard this story, but you said that when you moved to Hawaii, you helped this gym owner, I believe it was right. Kind of get their books together, their business together and, and really contributed in a lot of ways to them. Um, I have kind of two questions. Where did you build the skill sets that allowed you to help that person? And how was that built? And number two, I assume this might go into it is why did you start a YouTube channel? And how did you like, there's so much like will and intention that goes into that. And to do it at the intensity that you do it is, is exceptional. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what's this progression of like skills and work and career in your life that you've been on? Yeah. Well, I didn't start in like the YouTube space. Like it, this is still relatively new and you know, I, I'm not being humble when I say like, I know nothing. Like I'm still learning. I mean, I'm like three years in and I'm like, Oh my God, these algorithms, they keep changing things up and there's YouTube shorts now. And I'm like, so I, I'm now trying to adapt this like open mindset of like, I, I'm skilled to be able to learn things as I go. And so I've always had that kind of mentality. Again, goes back to my mom reinforcing this idea that everything I touch turns to gold. Damn you, mom, because now you put that in, you planted those seeds. And so now I try to do that. But, um, but joke, all joking aside, like I, I started in media, believe it or not. Like I was like, my goal in life was to be Katie Couric on NBC News. I was like, I'm going to be the next Katie. Katie Moore is going to be that. And so all throughout high school and college, I worked in public radio. I interned at NBC. I, I was like career focused on getting to be a journalist because I was a voracious reader and writer. I always loved like getting to like the bottom of a story. Like I, I was obsessed with Harriet the Spy as a kid. So if that mean, let, lets you into any secrets on like how much I loved to like 
really unfold what was happening and get to the truth and the bottom of things. Like that has always been my MO. So I, you know, I had gone into the corporate journalist world. And after spending some time there in my early 20s, I was like, I fucking hate this. Like it was not what it was cracked up to be. It was, I had this illusion that I was going to be able to like pick the stories I wanted to tell and, and like, you know, do things that were meaningful. And all I realized was like, it was a bunch of assignments on these horrible, like if it bleeds, it re, you know, it reads kind of stories and, or no, if it bleeds, it leads. That's literally what was told to us in these newsrooms. And I'm like, I don't want to report on another house fire. Like, this is not what I like intended to do in my life. This doesn't bring me joy or fulfillment. So I left that industry, but I left it without any closure. So I, you know, then dabbled in a bunch of different careers from event management to recruiting. Like I just, I had a hard time getting my footing again because I was so hellbound on doing that thing. And then realized that like I had cultivated the skill set of knowing how to record videos and audio and knowing how to write a story. But I now was in these different dead end jobs that were not fulfilling me. So fast forward. 10 years later. <laughs> and so, so I, 10 years of after, doing all yeah. these other jobs, learning then, all these little skills, yeah. meeting all these different people. And this is all up in the Bay Area? No, I was living in New York. So I grew up in New York and I was living in New York City and thinking that like that was going to be the place where I called home forever and made my career. It's where every all the new stuff happens. And so I ended up on a whim, of course, because I love to make very like haphazard decisions. Uh, if, as long as I'm the one who's, who's doing it. So like 25, I was like, I'm moving to California. And my parents were like, what? You have a job. I was like, don't worry. I'm going to leave this job. I don't have a job in California, but you know what? I'll get one. And I literally packed my bags, booked a one-way ticket to SFO and lived out of Airbnbs for like six months, ended up getting a job where I met my fiance and where that, was that? What was that job? It was, it's the job he's still in. Uh, he works for this company called AppDirect. So it was right on Kearney street in the heart of San Francisco. I was feeling pretty good about myself, like getting this, like, you know, job after just moving, then meeting this new love of my life. I was like, okay, this is great. But then after all of that, like kind of glamour happened and excitement, like, you know, I, I got really good at the job and then I got bored. So I moved on to another one. Then I got really good at that job and then I got bored. And so I kept finding myself in these patterns of like, okay, once you master something, then you kind of want to try something new because you don't feel challenged anymore. So make a long story short, enter like 2017, 18. Uh, we really got involved in like watching a lot of amazing YouTube artists. And I think there's so many people, content creators like MKBHD, Peter McKinnon, Matt Diavella, that I saw them like grow in the space and make these almost beautiful cinematic kind of, um, you know, beautiful mini documentaries every week. And I was blown away. So I said, let's get a camera. And right around that same time, 
you know, that I was just experimenting with camera, we also got into biohacking um, or, you know, health and wellness hacking. And we really subscribed to the whole bulletproof diet thing and started to change our entire lives around that and, and started to optimize for, you know, what our standard American diet and ways were. So it was like this, this kind of like this time of like wanting to explore this, like, new art form and like creative mode with also like challenging my health and thinking about new things. And at the, at the core of this though, was this like feeling of a, I want to help people because I'm learning all this new stuff that I'm not seeing really out there at the time that I was discovering biohacking. It was like pulling teeth to get this information from people. Now everyone's talking about it, but like, it was really a couple of big players in the space. And even that was, you know, there wasn't really that much um, going on. And then all the people that were talking about it were just promoting products. And like it, a lot of it felt like slimy marketing to me. And so I was like, oh my God, this is it. And like a light bulb went off where it's like that journalistic, like instinct of mine that I never had closure with, like coming back out of, you know, taking her out and I'm going to put that to good use again by applying it with this new health and kind of biohacking space so that I can provide truth to people and get them, you know, the, the most relevant information as I test all of these different gadgets out on myself. So I, every single video that I do, and of course, like, there was a, a long time of just learning how to, you know, shoot and edit video. But I mean, I had learned a lot. I learned Final Cut in college. So it was, it was like, you know, kind of just getting back on that bicycle again. It was, didn't take me that long. But I mean, my presence on camera, like that took a long time. I didn't know what I was doing for the longest time. I can't even watch my old videos. They're horrifying. But I've tried and, you know, and our microphone setup was terrible. Like you learn these things as you go and you get better progressively over time. It doesn't just happen overnight. I didn't have a film studio. And so, um, you know, I think though at the core of everything was like, how can I produce the most entertaining health videos out there on these weird fringe biohacks that no <laughs> one knows about? And B, how can I let people in on like the pros and the cons and like what they're going to actually be getting if they buy this thing? Because it's not just about the marketing and the glamour and all that stuff that comes with it. It's like, if you're using this device and it's, you know, like, how is it actually supposed to be used? What is the retention like? Like, what are the effects? How can I quantify that for people? You know, and so I got obsessed with just trying to get to the bottom of like, is this thing working or not? Could people find value in this or not? And could this help their life and their their overarching goals? And, you know, a lot of that, of course, stems from having seen, you know, two of my family members suffer so much and just feeling like, God, if they had some of these resources before they got sick, could it have helped them? And therefore, could some of the resources I'm helping provide people, especially with like sleep and, you know, uh, stress, I mean, those are two things that like uh, people struggle with so much and it impacts their health so much. So how can I get more information into people that could potentially help 
them start to reevaluate their lives. It's, it only takes changing one thing to send you down this rabbit hole of improving all of these other things in your life. We literally just put butter in our coffee and three years later, like we are now, you know, doing all the biohacking stuff in the world. And so I feel like if I can kind of get people set on the right path, then that's, that's my fulfillment in life. Wow. Beautiful. So I would have to like punch myself if I didn't ask you this question. <clears throat> I've got two questions and you can answer them very differently. If they're the same answer, that's okay too. And the question number one is what's like the number one biohack that has impacted your life? Mm. And then what's the number one that you think could impact people uh, like in mass more? So like something that was specifically for you really great and something that you'd recommend like just in general, that would probably be really great for most people. Yeah. So I would say for from like a kind of tech tool perspective, hands down the eight sleep uh, mattress pad has transformed my life. It's it, for anyone who doesn't know, it is a cooling mattress device. So there's, you know, but it's, it's basically a, a thermal regulation, temperature controlled, uh, you know, mattress pad you put on your bed so that you can set it to get colder when you're supposed to be in those periods of time when you're cold, you know, you, your body starts to um, go into REM and deep slate, and then you can be warm kind of as you're waking up, which is, you know, it really sort of mimics this kind of like natural cycle of your body. And as a result of doing that, my sleep is just so much better. I get more REM, more deep sleep. I, I love sleeping with a lot of covers, but as a result of that, like I end up waking up in a pool of sweat and that affects a lot of your cycles. Like if you get too hot when you're sleeping, that your REM is going to go way down. And so then mm -hmm. you're going to wake up feeling more tired. And that had been the case for me for a really long time. Even if you like live in a cold environment, it's your bedroom environment, your bedroom temperature, like it, it doesn't really matter if you're completely smothered in blankets every night. So having something that's literally underneath my body that's working while I'm not even thinking about it has been one of the most like game-changing tools that I have hands down. Um, I, I, I used a chili pad before, but I just think that the eight sleep has like automated the hell out of it. And they've done a great job. So that I would say is by far like the one biohack I will not live without. In fact, we shipped it to Hawaii. Like I was like, I don't care how much this costs. Like we will have this in Hawaii. Like <laughs> it, it's that, it's that big of a deal for us. It's, and cause we just value our sleep so much. As for so like, let me yeah. let me ask a quick question with that and also clarify. So if there's someone watching this who is mm -hmm. like, okay, my sleep quality is either low, I wake up many times throughout the night, or if I ever catch myself sweating through the night, mm -hmm. um, and or if I catch myself being way too cold through the night consistently or at any season in the year, um, this could be something really valuable for them. So like I'm someone who sleeps quite, like I just get warm, period. Yeah. And I have a Buffy comforter. Are you familiar? No, I'm not. 
Oh my God. And we have a weighted blanket though. So, okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, if you're someone who likes like big fluffy comforters and being all like comfy, right. Then this eight sleep mattress, like now I want to get one. And I've, I've been talked to about it a lot before. Like Kyle's told me about it a lot, but what you're describing here is like, okay, now I, I do need to buy one of these because I am someone who like, I really have to temperature modulate the room a lot, which is yeah. not cool. But uh, secondary question with that, um, have you done any EMF research on the eight sleep and all that jazz? Do I have to worry about that? Yeah, it's super, super low EMF, um, according to our acoustometer. Yeah, we did some rigorous testing. Um, it is a, a like a Bluetooth uh, enabled um, or like it does use your Wi-Fi and, and connects your Bluetooth to set the program. But once you set it, like you can still turn off your Bluetooth at night and your airplane mode. Uh, you just won't be able to make any configurations in the middle of the night. But what's great is it actually has this thing called autopilot mode. So uh, after like seven days of sleeping on it, it starts to see your patterns of like when you start to, you when your body temperature drops, when your body temperature rises. So what did the algorithm, it's freaking brilliant adjusts your temperature based on that you know kind of like what your natural cycle is so uh and you can also just default and set it to as cold as you want and like trust me i've done a couple of nights <laughs> on like the coldest setting and i wake up like frigid so um so yeah so just a warning there but now, uh, now yeah. is this something where it's like whatever you choose jasper has to deal with it yeah. Or... <laughs> no, no, he has his side of the bed. So it's, you can get, you, you can either do like, if you're single, you have one single cover, or if you, you know, share it with a partner, you then can split, the bed is split. So he has his own temperature. It's kind of like the, the Tempur-Pedic, you remember that like back in the mm -hmm, day when mm -hmm. you see like, so it, it's kind of like that. So he, he makes it his like relatively warm uh, because he's a wimp. And then I'm like, let's go really cold tonight. Let's see how cold we can go. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of experiments around that. I was also thinking like, how great would that be for my dog now? I'm going to mm. have to reach out to them and ask them because if we could, like, I, I worry about him being cold. Like I've been putting like a little heating pad underneath his crate at night because he sleeps next to us i'm like i i don't know if he's cold or hot so like i think something for my dog would be great so i don't know i'll i'm going to reach out to the company and see if they can you know make a little fabric for me to put on his crate beautiful <laughs> that's where my head's at these days i love it i love it so then what's the the number one that you'd recommend like in general like almost mm -hmm. anyone could benefit from you know, this is a really tough question. And this is, I'm probably going to change my answer at least three times in like the next 15 minutes. But for me, like, I, I really think I, there's one thing that like, hands down has had one of the biggest impacts on me. And I think could have one of the most profound impacts on everyone. I think that's hot cold therapy. Mm. I, I am like a religiously avid user of a dry sauna and then like a cold pool because of not only just like the effects it has on your metabolic health, but like the endorphin rush that you get when you go from that cold pool, that cold plunge back into the heat. And as your body starts to warm up, I mean, it's 
it's on like on par with like the highest high I've ever felt in my life. The most clarity. It's like your body is coming back online. Like you start to just like, you know, when your fingers are sort of numb and then you start to like slowly warm up, you just feel like, and you take, take a couple deep breaths, you feel alive. And on top of that, like getting into that cold is freaking hard as hell. And so it, it cultivates this level of resilience in people where they can start to think, if I can do that for four minutes, be in excruciating cold pain and get through it on the other side and end up feeling amazing afterwards, then hell, I can handle this meeting. I can handle this tough conversation. You start to build up this internal strength just by way of like doing this one single thing that doesn't take very long. And I think if, you know, if you're someone who enjoys kind of this like dichotomy of the the hot and the cold, and, you know, it, it's, it is just a fantastic way to sort of like unwind, you know, and, and get yourself like into this, like, cognitive elevated state it's by far the best thing like when I discovered hot and cold therapy I was like I'm gonna do this every day like as as much as I can you know it's fantastic it gets my day started on the right foot and it's if I can get through that challenge of the cold I can pretty much tackle anything else in that day wonderful so then I've got another hard right turn of a whole other area I want to kind of get to and and this is a very selfish question uh, or self-full question as someone has described it to me in the past but I'm just so curious about the answer so I've seen you and uh, Jasper your fiance like interacting in a in a more business context where mm-hmm. he helps you a lot with the YouTube stuff when you need it and he he seems like excited even to help which is really endearing because I, I know how challenging this whole thing can be of creating content. And, and on top of that, let me just also add, I love that you have discovered a way to really put together what uh, Kai, one of my coaches who's got an episode that dropped probably a couple of weeks ago now when people see this or a few weeks ago, uh, the archaeology of your life and these big impactful moments where it was like you had these ear infections, which made you loud, which made you boisterous, which mm-hmm. made you like weird for a little bit. And then you eventually were like, oh, I'm going to be super loud. And now you're like, I'm going to be loud for everybody. <laughs> and I'm going to like <laughs> yeah. dig into this. You found a way to do your journalism in the way that you wanted to do it always for everyone and turn it into something that can be your lifestyle and your business. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. So on top of that, the selfful question here is coming from a man's point of view to see the way that Jasper helps you was really inspiring. And I know for a fact that men are very simple creatures And we are only as good and as helpful as we are called to be by the quality of the woman and how she treats us. Mm. And so when I saw that, my initial question was, what does Katie do that's so amazing that inspires him to help like this and to be like a man can only be as good 
as he's called to be. And similarly, a woman can only be as good as she's called to be in relationship. Um, of course, you can be completely interdependent and like be a wonderful person. But what is it that you there's got to be like intentional things that you do that have have called that out of him? What are what are the things that have been most successful in that? And I just I want to be able to like share this with I, most of this audience is female. So yeah. pretty much everyone who watches this is is female. So yeah, tell me about that. Like, what are you doing? Um, you, I can't believe I'm starting to tear up. And uh, I think it's just because I'm so madly in love with him. And just even thinking about this, uh, it, it's weird for me to talk about because I know the answer, but it feels strange to reveal the answer. Uh, but of course I, I will. Like, I struggled for years. Like we've had a wonderful rock solid relationship full of love and trust and just this, you know, beautiful harmony between our personalities and always cheering each other on. And yet like always in kind of the background of since the start of our relationship, I was struggled with what I wanted to do. I always kept going through this like hamster wheel of trying things and then getting bored and I think Jasper has been waiting for seven years for me to find my calling in life and so he recognizes that this channel and the reasons why I started this channel and what this channel does for me has been the one thing that I I live for and I love and I care for and I never want to quit and I think there's a part of him that's like, if I can encourage her to keep going, like I, I'm fulfilled because I know she is too. And so there's just this intense love that comes out of his desire to help because he sees what it's done for me. And he sees how much I've struggled with finding my purpose, with finding my voice, right? I think he was one of the biggest champions of me from the start where he's like, you've got something. Why are you not putting this into, you know, something creative and of bigger value and purpose? And I was scared for a while. I didn't know how. And I, and so for him to see me kind of get off on the right foot and now, yes, of course, like if I need him to help me shoot a piece of B-roll, he stops no problem. You know, it's like, it makes my job easier and more fulfilling. And I know that part of him is just so grateful that I have come to this happy place with myself. So it makes our whole relationship better. Wow. Wow. But I have a really special guy. I know he's like, just you know, my mom used to say when they made, when they made you, they, they threw out the mold. And I feel like that's, I don't know where that came from. And I, I think it's very appropriate for him though. I've never met someone who is just so good at everything. And he inspires me to be a better creator too. He challenges me. Oh my God. He'll give me feedback on my videos. Like I'll read him a script because I script everything. He's like, he doesn't even have to say a word. It's like the way he looks at me, like, and I'm like, <laughs> I, you, you hate it. He's like, 
uh, I would, uh, and I was like, nope, nope, that's it. I'm going to go rewrite it, the whole thing. And it's so <laughs> funny. It's like, we just communicate with each, like, so he's my biggest advocate. He's, and he always wants the best for me because, you know, he believes in me. Mm -hmm. So I've got to ask you one last question with that, which is, and I know you may not have an answer or may not want to answer this, but if you do have an answer, I'd love to hear it. What would you say women or anyone, but specifically women, what's the one either mindset or hobby, hobby, habit, habit, or practice that they could do to call and be worthy of someone like a Jasper? I know, I know, I know. That's a big question. I'm literally dealing with this with my sister right now because she just had a terrible breakup and it's like the third breakup in a very short amount of time where I'm like, Megan, you keep going after the same guy who is not giving you that level of respect. Like we should talk about how you view yourself and how you show up in the world. And you know, I think a lot of it comes down to our own perspective on ourselves and what we, how we view ourselves as worthy, how we, you know, it's not just like attracting like the right partner because they have a business degree or they're, you know, financially stable. It's like, there's a different like energetic element that you put out into the world that you know when you are radiating at this higher vibration and frequency of just being like i you know i'm worthy of like love and respect and i'm not afraid of being challenged and you know all those things that you might look for in a partner like you've got to think about that for yourself first do you love yourself you know, are you super self-critical? Do you respect yourself? You respect your time, you know, or do you let other people control your time? Are you an over, like a workaholic where your boss is controlling your time or are you taking back your time? These kind of things, you know, getting very clear on what are the attributes that you, you know, want to find in someone and are those also attributes that you recognize and find in yourself? And if not, how can you cultivate that? And there are so many different like self-improvement plans that you can follow, meditation courses you can take, you know, different ways like retreats you can go on that might open up your mind to different ways of viewing yourself. But I think like you have to be very centered before you take on somebody else and and you because then here's the, the beauty in this woman if you end up like finding someone who's say really attractive and meets all these you know like uh, superficial requirements but then they come into your life and it's like totally not a match you will instantly feel that sense of misalignment because you're you're like radar is so dialed in you're like nope that's that's out of touch and you won't make exceptions for that people that those people either you'll be like nope that's red flag let's let's move on i think it's like but 
if you're not in that higher state, you're, you know, you might just let things brush off your shoulders and then, you know, you end up in, in heartbreak. And I've had that happen too, you know, so it's, we've all been there. It sucks, but you want to avoid that. And so the only way to do that though, is to really get clear on, on who you are as a person. And then if you can find somebody that has some of those characteristics you're looking for as well. Is there like a book that you'd recommend for, for someone to start on or something like really pivotal that they could do? Um, so you said there's a bunch of practices to cultivate, but maybe, maybe there's just a book where someone could start getting this type of education and kind of start that, that tunnel. Hmm. Let's see. Gosh, I, I'm sure I have one and I'm just totally running a blank right now, but I will look through my catalog after. It might not be specifically about relationships, but I'm sure I have something um, that might, let's see, oh, gosh, isn't this terrible that I'll get back to you on that one. I, I, yeah, I want to find the perfect book. So maybe you can throw that in the show notes. Absolutely. So then let me ask you when people fall in love with you watching this and listening to this, uh, what's the easiest way for them to, uh, you know, follow your work, connect with you, um, all of that. Absolutely. Uh, you can check out, uh, my YouTube channel, which is Katie type a, and if you want to connect with me one-on-one, I do do biohacking consultations, which were really fun. I'm actually helping someone uh, create a biohacking lounge right now. They're, um, I'm, I'm helping kind of uh, consult them on that and, and work on some things around sleep. And so you can connect with me at uh, katietypea.com. I also have a podcast with Rachel Varga called Beauty and the Biohacker podcast. So you can hear me once a week there too. And yeah, I, uh, I'm hoping to create my own podcast soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. And there'll be lots more to come. But yeah, my YouTube channel is really my bread and butter. Wonderful. And then is there any big message that's like sitting on your heart right now that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think, honestly, like after everything I've kind of been through in the last few years, sort of taking this, you know, 360 view of it. Um, I would say never sit on your dreams. Never say I'll, I'll do that when I'm this age. Like if you can find the means to do it right now, to fulfill that dream right now, like it's going to teach you something. It's going to expand your life. It's going to expand your mind. You're going to meet so many more people. Don't be afraid to take that risk. Even if it's hard, you can always come back. Like, especially if you're planning to move or you're thinking about it and you're questioning it, just take that leap of faith. Know that you, you're, you're being called to something for a reason. And if it doesn't work out, you could always come back, but don't wait until it's too late. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming oh, on the show. So good to see you, Skip. And yeah, I uh, I feel like it, it's weird. I got last night. I was listening to the dojo, uh, one of your recordings, and I was doing. It, I was like, man, I feel like I'm like 
like hearing Skip every day. Like you are like, it's just so nice to like talk to you in person. Cause I, you're literally in my headphones every single day. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're, it's borderline celebrity talking to you, my friend. <laughs>